This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of the Team Stripes Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Nat Swanson, who we've just spent an hour BSing before we uh, even hit the record button. So obviously, Nat, you're doing well. Say hi to everybody. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Great to be here. As as usual, uh, it's a good summer day. Oh, absolutely. It was a uh, heat index of over 100 degrees here in Florida. Um Easy day at work for me. Thank God. Yesterday was a, a nightmare, but uh, all is good. I skated some men's league games last night. Um, I actually had two decent C league games. Nice. Uh, I had. It's weird or it's nice. Like I know a lot of guys complain about doing men's league. Great. Like we were yeah. talking about this last night on the phone, but yeah. the rink that I'm that I mostly do my men's at. Like I'm so very fortunate uh they we have a really good program there uh all the guys are cool so like it's not that big of a deal i don't mind doing it yeah dude i never i like i miss i miss the beer league games where everyone was out there just to play exactly you know no one wanted to show off you didn't even need to be there right you can work on your skating like that's actually what i did last night yeah i was just working on edge work yeah (laughs) You know, you're like, all right, cool. Hey, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do the one foot drill inside, outside, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, they, they gave you an opportunity. Um, it seems like those games are, are fewer and further between, but man, I mean, talk about an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to work on your edges, to do all that kind of stuff. And, and when all the guys are just there and you're like, Hey, they're having fun. Nobody cares. Then that's, I missed that. But, uh, and then you get, and then you get a team full of Tommy tryhards. Yeah. And then you're like, oh man, here yeah. we go. <laughs> so yeah. but yeah. yeah, it was it was a good night last night. Easy skate, good day at work. Um awesome. but yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I just finally got into the registration process and oh boy. Oh man, I I, I, I get it. So I gotta give kudos to the Michigan uh high school, uh the MHSAA Michigan High School Athletic Association. Okay. They make their their website's a little weird, but they make uh well first off, uh NASO, right? NASO membership with them, which I think yeah uh, and we've already talked about this, but I've, I we want to get someone from NASO on the podcast. We need yes. to um but automatic NASO membership and the the membership process is pretty is pretty simple. Hey you pay your money um you have a you have to attend a there's no online training like there's a couple of things that you have to read okay uh as far as like hey it's their equivalent of say sport but essentially it's like a pdf you read it you answer a couple of questions about you know like hey you know can you do what larry nasser did no you cannot right do you have to report if you see something that larry nasser did yes you do yes okay <laughs> right like does Larry Nasser deserve to be like beaten within an inch of his life every six months? Absolutely. Every day, not every yeah, six uh, months. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's got a heel 
and then feel the pain <laughs> all over again, right? Yes, like that, yeah. You know, and, and I think that any decent human being would agree with that. So yeah, absolutely. So so I got to give props to 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 the state of Michigan for kind of like making a fairly simple registration process. You yeah. Know, hey, read this PDF. Answer a few questions. You can control C, control you know, or you can control F. You know the answers yeah. and stuff. Um, and then they give you what's really cool is they give you until so you only have to take a rules exam if you want to work the playoffs. Oh, and okay. It's, and it's due by like January. So okay. And then, you, and then in order to work varsity hockey, you have to attend a uh, like a meeting, which yeah, is yeah. generally you know okay, hey, we do them on Zoom, whatever, and it's all twenty five guys from your area, thirty guys from your area. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. Hey, what are points of emphasis? All right, sweet. Hey, looking forward to seeing everybody. Yep. And, uh, and that's and actually something yeah. we're trying to get going here with our high school league is some kind yeah. of preseason deal or during the season, whatever. Yeah. That sounds like pretty easy, unlike um, the other process that we have to deal with. Yeah. The USA. Now, granted, game. mine is pretty easy because I did get tenured last year. Yeah. So yeah, the so, the comparison. So yeah. Um, so on the tenured side, right? I yeah. pay my money. I log yeah. in. So you still pay? Do you still pay? It's pay ninety like, bucks. Okay, so the, it's just like yeah. I did level four, it's, ninety it's, bucks. And yeah, it's ninety dollars level four. No affiliate fee. So you don't have to background check. You don't have an affiliate fee? No, Southeast District doesn't have an affiliate fee. <sighs> yeah, I paid twelve dollars and fifty cents to the state of Michigan for an affiliate fee. Oh, fun. Yeah. Aren't they their own district? They are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So no affiliate fee. Um, I log in. There's like, actually, I'll tell you exactly how. I'll, I'll log in real quick while I'm okay. while I'm rambling here. Yeah. Um, couple modules. That's it. Wow. And then the three hours of safe sport. Thank you, Congress. Oh man. So um, I got yeah. That obviously that's a congressional thing. And this year I I couldn't do. I was out of refreshers because you get to do X amount of refreshers, and yeah. then you have to take the full course. And oh my goodness, was the full course painful? Yeah. That's just covered, you know, CYA uh, leadership right there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all, yeah. you know, it's it's congressionally mandated. I right. get it. There's obviously yeah. a good reason for it. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the tenured side, I mean, I took my test. Like, I, I legitimately registered day one, so June 1st. Okay. Um, obviously, there were a lot of hiccups. Uh, yeah. Listeners that are USA Hockey officials know. Right. Um, there, there, there were some hiccups, which um, luckily I was able to contact uh, the people at national office. Like, hey, here's some things that I'm experiencing. Um, you know, FYI. Right. So, with the tenured stuff, as far as required modules go, there's four, mm -hmm. and I get to skip to taking just the test. <laughs> so it's so, safe. It's so safe it sport zero tolerance diversity equity inclusion and the mentor program that's it so if anybody is watching this on youtube they can see that i'm like throwing my arms out in like the the toddler pouty face <laughs> um because i have been registered now it's on and off right like i have not yeah. had I, you know but i have been registered since 1992 93. oh my goodness yeah dude i don't even want to talk about it like i was when i, I was <laughs> i'm an old guy 
<laughs> so not that old. You're what, no, I'm not that old, and I was really young, right? I was really yeah. young because you know, again, I, and I talk about this, and I will say this every single time, and I'm going to say, you know, um, making coaches and team captains attend a level one seminar is amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and that's how I got started. Anyway, so uh, when I was like a peewee, but um, man, I log in. And it's, I've been doing this for a long time and I have a lot of seminar. I have a lot, like just a litany list of online modules to do. Right. And yeah. I understand that online modules, like the information is good, but it's a lot, you know, and yep. to be able to, um, and I can understand how there's a lot of folks who, who share my sentiment. Right. So like, so but tenure, tenure is also like tenure is expensive. Like, I guess that's the big thing. Yeah, it's like $450, I believe. Is yeah, the it, fee. It, yeah, it, it's um, not only and it's a time commitment, right? It's a it is a and, and there's flights and hotels and like yeah. there's a lot of things that go along with it. And speaking of the tenured program, it's legitimately going on. So today's Friday, the 29th. Yeah, um, it started today out yeah. in California. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't imagine And California is a tough place, right? To get like yep. from the West coast, it's easy from the East coast. That's tough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, getting there. Yeah. So they're moving it around region to region. Obviously Minnesota had theirs. Um, that last year it was in Providence. This year it's in California. I'm hoping Southeast next year. And then maybe it probably goes central next yeah. year. Yeah. I go central um, Michigan district type thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the tenured program. Now I will say it is a worthwhile seminar. Yeah. I did enjoy it. Well, um, I have some great people. I mean, great. It's great networking, and there's great people that give topic. You know, discussions yeah, and all like that. Sure. A lot know, of high level stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as the think, all the leadership is there. Yeah. Um, and then obviously to be tenured, you have to be a level three or level four, and you have to have been. Like to be a tenured level three, you have had you have to have been a level three for at least three years. Okay. To be a tenured level four, you have to be a level four for three years. Okay. Now, if you go to level three, like if you go as a level three and get tenured as a level three, mm-hmm. if you want to become a level four, all you do is attend a level four seminar. Okay. And then they just upgrade you and now you're tenured level four. Oh, okay. But you don't have to go back to the symposium. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, that's good information to know. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a good program. I mean, it, it, yes, it's a time commitment, but at the end of the day, like eventually it pays for itself with the amount of time that you don't have to put into things. Okay. Um, on the module side. Very so. cool. And then the test is shorter too, right? So I only had a 50 question test. Oh, that's not, it's like, a, that's like the old school level one open book. Yeah. Right? Yep, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So. That's cool. And it's it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I, I'm you know I'm gonna be looking minus the financial commitment. Yeah, well you know I, I guess that's one of the things like I'm gonna look at probably in the next year or two. Um, really, just depends on where they do it, right? Yeah, like if it's yeah. close to you, you're gonna go. Yeah, well, and I mean, and I get it too. Like everyone wants to go to San Diego, but San Diego is expensive, right? You yeah. know, everyone like if I'm going to San Diego. Man, I'm spending the time on the beach. I'm not going to go talk about hockey. Like, that's just, you know, that's, yeah. that's just me. It'd be cool to have one in Colorado Springs, you know, yes, or, or like to Lake Placid, you know, to be able to yep. go to some of the, 
uh, Salt Lake, right? Go go to the, some of the Olympic the Olympic centers, the Olympic training um, centers. Yep. Yeah, like to have them there. I think that's really cool. So, um, well, and then it's funny because like, um, a couple of my friends were giving me a hard time about going. They're like, "You teach the seminars anyway. Like, you're gonna have to like." Yeah. So, yeah. transitioning into seminars. Yeah. But uh, so we've done three already. We're doing our fourth one this weekend. Um, they've gone well. It's nice being back in person for the level ones and twos. Yeah. Actually, when you think about it this year, like you could potentially have a level three going to a virtual level three this year. That's never been to an in-person seminar and they're level three. So because they went level one. Go ahead. Yeah. Level one on zoom, level two on zoom the last two years. And now they can do a level three on zoom and they've never been to an in-person seminar. You got it. Wow. So what is that like, right? So did you like, so let's talk about that level two seminar that maybe you saw some folks that had like that did level one virtual. Now they're a level two. Like, did, was there a huge benefit? Yeah. Like, like, you know, they worked some stuff last year, you know, some of the younger guys maybe got a few games, but like everyone was very happy to do an in-person. Seminar. Yeah. Um, seeing everyone's faces, getting everyone on the ice, dropping the pucks, doing the skating drills. And just like networking and meeting up, you know, new people. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really the biggest thing, right? Because like yeah. during the season, like our guy, like then this goes for anyone that's a seminar instructor. Like we, we meet all these uh, students that come in to learn and level yeah. ones and twos and threes. And, you know, during the season though, like we're not at the rink all the time. So like, you know, it's hard uh, to keep up and keep up with their training, obviously, you know, we got mentor programs. We got this, we got that, but it's definitely nice to like be in person, be able to shake somebody's hand instead of sitting there behind a computer screen. And I think there's, there's a level of, you know, and um, also coming, I'm, you know, coming from the Southeast district and and working some uh, working some, you know, instructing a lot of seminars, right. Yeah. Local supervisor, all that kind of stuff. Like I can't imagine like, like the things that we teach at level one and level two seminars are like how to hold the puck, you know? Yeah. Like, how to hold like, it, how to drop it. Yeah. Go, you know, like, like, like moving around on the ice. Yeah. When someone puts their arm up, it's like, Hey, put your arm up. And then you sit there and you're like, okay, no, like elbow straight. Yeah, like, like, yeah. like, okay, feel that, you know, that. So this is interesting. This is actually really interesting. We could have an entire generation, you know, we have a generation of, of, officials out there that may have never done an in-person seminar yeah um that's wow right and never mind the fact that you know the the folks that like after the seminar the you know the the camaraderie and stuff that happens uh, you know over well, yeah exactly you know well like the level four for example like down here right it's the one time yeah. a year we got no it's the start of the year. So we get yeah. all the, our top guys in the room. Yeah. We get to talk about our year coming up, you know, what's going on around the state, what's going on in the district. We plan some stuff. Yeah. Now granted with zoom and texting and Facebook and all that, like, but it's still nice to have everybody in the room together. Yeah. Cause we only see everybody once, twice, maybe three times a year, you know, yeah. especially, you know, especially because if you're doing it right as a senior guy, you're not working with other senior guys very often. You know, no. like, you know, that, that's, that's so, 
my buddy Ryan just got here. Nice. Um, he actually attended one of our level one seminars. Um, oh, nice. A couple weeks ago. He actually has his first games coming up. Oh, nice. Um, so Ryan, you're actually going to join us on the podcast and, and for, <laughs> for a minute. Um, so first of all, take a seat. He's um, going to watch out for the dogs. I got, oh, yeah. So my buddy Ryan, we went to high school together, played uh, high school hockey together. He yeah. was in the Air Force 20 years, just retired. Nice. Congrats, um, dude. Okay. There we go. Whatever. So, Ryan, um, being a brand new official and coming to your first level one seminar, how was it? It was an eye opening experience when it comes to uh, pretty much relearning how to skate and just some of the, the basics that as players we we take we take for granted really we think that there are certain certain calls made a certain way when really mm-hmm. they're they're called in you know rightfully called for the right ways, <laughs> the right reasons. yep and then so like the last few years we did virtual seminars right we were on zoom kind of like we are right now for the podcast do you think you would have gotten what you got out of the seminar you attended if you were sitting in front of a computer screen doing it uh, when it comes to the verbal part of it, yeah, but when it comes to the hands-on actually doing the, the ice portion, you need to put skates on the ice to really understand uh, what the skating is like, how the stopping is, how you position yourself. You can't do that just over Zoom and stuff like this. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's pretty much what, what me and Nat were, were talking about, like the whole yeah. Zoom thing. Like, it's great, it works, but being in person just makes it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind the fact, you know, players, I'm, I come from a law enforcement background, so control stuff like that is easy for me. But when you have a younger person, you need to have that training and a practical application as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Practical application on the ice instead of, Hey, here's your rule book. I go have fun. <laughs> yeah. Not saying that that happens very often, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things, right? Like being in person, it's uh it's just so much better for the training um that's awesome like i said we got one this weekend it's it's been enjoyable getting back to it um cool so cool man well uh i i think it's time to talk about our guest yeah yeah i'd say so yeah we got a, a we got a pretty cool guest coming up right so um you know full disclosure this was not done the same day so again, if you're watching on YouTube, we're totally, we're not wearing the same clothes, but um, yeah. Uh, so uh, come on up, right? So we have uh, Chrissy Lang is coming up. Uh, Chrissy Langley, a uh, very newly appointed referee in chief in USA hockey uh, for female official development, um, you know, and uh, it's a really new position uh, and we, she hasn't had a lot of opportunity um, to, to do a whole, uh, to do a whole lot or do a lot of publicity stuff. So um you know, I'm looking forward to getting her on. I was looking really forward to really uh, getting her on and letting her tell kind of her story and all. And I think you guys will really like. Well, it. and you guys got to catch up too. Like you guys yeah. go way back. So I know yeah. after we after we yeah. stopped recording, you said you guys shot the breeze for another what two and a half hours? Yeah, dude, it was like another two and a half hours, man. It was a long time. We, you know, so so I've known. So I met Chrissy. Uh, I met her years ago when I was living in Chicago and I don't remember exactly how I met her, but it was just kind of one of those, like, you know, you know, we didn't work a game together, but 
um, you just, you, you're always around officials. And yeah. uh, when I was in the program, we we're always around officials and, um, and, and she became a really trust, a, a good trusted advisor of mine. Right. She's so, yeah. um, I'm really excited to, to kind of have her, uh, was really excited to have her on because she's got yeah. this new role. Um, and she's the right person for the job. Uh, we, yeah, we go back. Go yeah, back a ways. Yeah, we go back a ways, right? 2006-ish. Holy. Uh, <laughs> stuff. Yeah, a long time. Um, well, with that, yeah, let's throw it on over to the interview and cool. uh, hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, Thunder Supplies here. So we have an awesome, awesome guest, uh, an old friend of mine. Uh, we won't say how old. Um, uh, from years ago. But uh, an amazing, an amazing official, a really great person, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thunder applause for Chrissy Langley uh, on the Team Stripes podcast. I think everyone's really excited for you to be here. How's it going, Chrissy? Great, Nat. Thanks for thanks, Nat and Ross, inviting me to be here today. Um, wow, we we do go back quite a ways, and I'm very thankful that you are co-chairing this with Ross, so I get to meet and see both of you. Awesome. Wow, what a year it's been, huh? Yeah, a lot of change. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So uh, why don't you tell everyone, so you have gotten a new job, right? So you were asked, uh, so before we get, we start off, like, just, can you tell everyone like, hey, what is, what is your new job here with, uh, with USA Hockey? Yeah. USA Hockey has created a new role and it's called the Female Development Referee in Chief. So similar to each district having a referee in chief, they have created a specific chapter for female development. It's similar to the disabled sports, which Brad Roethlisberger is the referee in chief for. So now we have another seat at the table and they posted this position last summer and each referee in chief was asked to uh, identify, you know, a few women from their districts to apply for it. And I happened to get support from the Minnesota district and applied. And there were six or seven other candidates for this position. So it was a pretty thorough and rigorous uh, evaluation and interview process. And the official appointments came in November, but it really didn't uh, take place or form for me until February when we started talking about nationals um, assignments. Um, so I basically looked at my career um, just to share that little bit of nugget um, is I have three phases or three big steps in my career. And uh, the last one or the most recent one was I was a referee supervisor in the state of Minnesota for the largest women's hockey association in the world. And not only was I still skating a little bit myself, reminding myself what the joys are of the game on the ice as an official, but I was supervising and partnering with uh, the uh, officials association, the players association on just programs and ways of working. And I enjoyed that so much that I felt let's take this to the next level. And when USA hockey created the posting, I'm like, I'm in, I, I want this so bad. I want to be the first one, which has major benefits and also some big obstacles because yeah. there's a lot uh, of people, right. Yeah. There's a lot of people that want it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's cool. Right. So, so, and, and, uh, ask about your history here in a, in a minute and kind of how you got started, but, I think like one of the big things about being the first one is that like you, you get to set the tone, right? So like everyone is going to build off of what, you know, so you're setting the groundwork and everyone's going to build off of kind of some of these, these big overarching decisions that you get to make about, Hey, where's the program going to go? That's such a cool, such a cool opportunity to think that, um, 
you know, you're on the ground level of, of something that, that is going to get, big. it's going to get big. It has to, right. Uh, and that's, that's really cool. Um, so, so where did you start? Right. So how, I, I guess that that's the big question, right. Ross always loves to ask is, so yep. tell me about your first game. How did you get started in, in refereeing hockey? Yeah, so phase one would have been my dad and my brother, who's 18 years older than I, came home from refing their game. Uh, okay. And I said, I want to do that. Anything he can do, I want to try to do better. And it was very competitive. And it was really neat to see, you know, my brother get that one-on-one time with my dad in a cool yeah. bonding experience. So I wanted to be there as well. And so my first game was probably when I was 11. Okay. A little mini mic game and shadowing my dad was shadowing and telling me how much fun this can be. And my brother was doing the same thing. And then where I grew up, you'd get dropped off to work the younger games. Yeah. And then your practice would be an hour or two later. So you just spend time at the rink. There's more ice time. It was more experience and it was enjoyable. Very cool. Right. So, and then how did it keep Like, so how did it keep going? Like, what was your, you know, so you start off as 11 and it's just like you, you caught the bug immediately. I mean, because you were still playing for. Yep. You, you know. I played through college. I played Division yeah. One at Wayne yeah. State University in Detroit. And all of those years that I was going to college, um, I was going to at that time regional camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple years later, select camp. And then the summer before my senior year, I went to the elite experience. OK. Well, so and you were young. You were. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize like you were. I was in my young 20s. Yeah. And then as soon as I graduated and finished playing, yeah, I went to my first international tournament that very next August or April, oh, wow. excuse me, that very next April so, in wow. like I did 12 international tournaments, time. right? Yeah. Man, so so what is that like? So that's I mean, you've got to be right. So you're coming off of a D1 career, you're playing and you're like, hey, by the way, not only, you know, you've got a good a good playing career and then. You know, and then you're like, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm going to go work some, you know, internet like IHF stuff like that's got to be, you know, uh, if you're not skating, yeah, you're skating in the games one way or another. Right. I mean, essentially, at that point, uh, that's pretty cool. When I recruit, especially at the adult women's level. So these last few years when I recruit, I try to tell people I played adult women's hockey for two years after college. And it was yeah. fun I'm playing yeah. at nationals, going and doing all those events. But I started being asked, do you want to come referee that same tournament that you're playing in? We'll pay for airfare. We'll pay for your lodging. We'll pay for a game yeah. fee. What are you doing paying for it? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that big. Yeah. That's like why that's what I tell every single, in fact, I was just talking to my next door neighbor. Um, he's, a, he's in high school and he's, you know, he has no interest in playing high school. He's playing house hockey and all. And I was like, dude, we can, you can still play and referee, but, you can be on the ice and get paid for it. Right. Like that's, it's yep. such a cool, like, you know, speaking to the, he's 15. So it's like, you save him for a car. Yeah. Like, well, you should referee, you know, like you're yep. going to get a better car as a referee than you ever would, you know, plan <laughs> and paying for it. Um, wow. Cool. He's going to make more money or effing than he would. Yeah. Lawns or shovels. It's still money. not exceptional. No. Um, so like, I tried, no. I tried the first, I want to say, four years after graduating college, I tried, let's just do this repping thing and then have odd jobs on the side. Yeah. And the most I ever came up to was about $15,000 a year. Yeah. And, and that's the downside. I think on the women's side of things is, 
and even maybe the junior side of things is you're really averaging a hundred bucks a game and you're really busting your butt out there. Yeah. Um, so talking about compensation for officials is a, is a hot topic right now. What should yes. we be paying officials and how do we retain officials and, and keep them in the game and what is a fair rate? Yeah. Right. Well, speaking of that, I actually, when, when we get done here, I have to run to the rink up the road for our association meeting because we have to talk to one of the hockey directors who's upset that we're raising adult league fees to 50 bucks a game. He thinks it's a personal attack against him mm. when really it's like, Hey, um, in the 20 years, like me and my association, 20 years I've done this, we've had two raises. So like, but yeah, the compensation's unreal. Like right now it's, it's such a hot topic, especially with how the world is. Yeah. So Huh. So what was that first international tournament like? Like, what was that first, like you're getting on an airplane, like what, what like, to, can you describe, so for someone who has not had that experience of, hey, you go from the elation of being selected for an international tournament to, okay, here are the plane tickets. And you're like, okay, now, right? So you're like, you're getting on an airplane. Now what, right? Yeah. Uh, so the first tournament I did was in Romania. And let's just say I had to look up that country a few times. <laughs> yeah. Where is it at? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I believe USA Hockey does an excellent job preparing officials for being well-rounded, worldly, how to do research, how to be best prepared. And I also feel like today's community of officials yeah. sees an assignment come out and they're, they're, let me give you IHF gear. Let me give you stuff to help you be prepared. And I don't remember it being as um, bountiful as it is today. Oh, wow. okay. So it was terrifying to be in your young 20s and going to an international tournament. Nobody else was from the United States at that first event. Yeah. And my bags didn't make it for three days. Oh, no. And my roommate was from Finland. And I remember vividly, you know, bags not getting there, English being a challenge and crying in the shower, you know, trying to keep all my emotions to me and shutting them in. And they're like, we know what's going on. But back then they also gave you cash in the currency of the country you were in right Mm -hmm. there. Oh, wow. So I was able to go purchase clothing and and some stuff. And then they also helped me out, you know, the the other officials. And it was a really great family feeling yeah. like protected yeah and then my first game i skated in somebody else's gear in somebody else's skates that's awesome i mean that's like you gotta be so you're like you're you're making your international hockey debut essentially in a foreign country you don't necessarily speak the language nobody else is like from home you have some money that's got funny colors on it your bags <laughs> didn't show up and you're like like thank goodness at least i'm wearing someone else's gear you know, yep. and then the, and then the opening puck drop happens. You like you know, go go. Yep. That's wow. But, I mean, that's talk about like a nightmare. Like if you would think about like what a nightmare scenario would be like for like an American official going abroad. Like that's it. And you're like, yeah, I lived it. Like like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was gonna say that speaks volumes about just the referee community in general. Yeah. Though, how like we're all a brotherhood and a sisterhood, regardless of where we're from around the world. We get there. And you have that happen to you, but all of your officials are like, Hey, we got you. Here's all the gear. Get out yeah. there and do your game. 
Yeah, because I'm sure everyone else is probably sitting there going, I mean, I can say the same thing. It's like, oh, man, like imagine, okay, well, I'm at home and I train for this and now I'm, I'm in a, you know, can you imagine? Yeah, just on the, on the flip side, like, of course you'd give, yeah, hey, does, do my skates fit you? Well, then you need to wear them. Like, do, like here's my yep. sweater, here are my pants, here's some protect, protective gear, here's a helmet, you know. One, one thing that stood out to me during, again, the elite experience or training is sitting in the room and listening to uh, the coach at the time from the early on the early Olympics, Ben Smith, and yep. he said, we need to be prepared for the worst case scenarios. Yeah. And how are we going to handle them? And now they were referring to, you know, game scenarios and penalties and how do you break through as a team and really build together? Well, we need to prepare that way as officials, too, because far too often we get paralyzed or in our own heads or we can't break through uh, whatever obstacles in front of us. And that's that's the premise of this summer as the female development RIC is what are those obstacles and how do we break through them? Yeah, it's it's not we're going to continue to sit here and be angry that our equipment's not here. Or we're going to continue to sit here and be angry that we're having scheduler challenges or something as an yeah. obstacle. It's how do we work together and see how other districts are doing it or other RICs are working and grow. Yeah. So dude, that's a great segue. So um, yeah. So talk more about that. Right. So like you, you, you've taken over this kind of new job. Uh, there was, there was some big kind of overarching, Hey, this is what we want you to do. There's a job title, you know, and it's like, maybe, maybe, you know, you might get a hundred bucks and a tank of gas, you know, if that, uh, nope, like maybe a ream of paper, but probably not, you know, um, and, I got and business cards. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, Hey, here's, here's a hundred business cards. Congratulations. Now go yeah. do awesome things. Right. So, so what, like, like, what are you, and, and you just talked about kind of give up, coming back from a couple of summer camps and all and meeting some of the folks, like what, what do you see happening? What do you want to do over the next year? Like, what is your kind of like goal? Like, what is your, you know, so infrastructure, Nat, yeah. I think the first goal that we're looking for, um, is there are several districts that have either women's supervisor or a female officiating coordinator or some person that's a woman that's designated in the role to help the officiating community recruit, develop, and promote. Okay. Not all districts have that. So I think the first thing that I need help with from the RICs and also from the female officials in each district, we need one person to fulfill that in each district. And I've been asking that for a couple of months now. And then round nationals time, I knew something was needed. I knew I knew people wanted to connect. They wanted to call. They wanted to share their experiences in their districts. So around nationals, we came up with an idea called Whistle Break. And it's coffee break or a coffee chat. It's meant to be a one hour. And we spun the word whistle in there. So it's called Whistle Break. And it's 35 or so women invited to a phone call, a chat, similar to what we're doing right now. Okay. And um, it's not just me talking and asking questions instead of that group of women, it's rotating who's asking questions and, and facilitating some engaging conversations. So we've done things like creating a word cloud of obstacles. Okay. We've had bro breakout rooms to talk about one of the big obstacles that some districts are facing. And it really feels concentrated on the East coast or West coast or central. So people are communicating with one another their obstacles and offering solutions. Okay. 
And then more recently, because there are a lot of topics and everybody's very passionate on these calls, which is a pro and con, right? They're passionate. They want to see change and they want to talk about everything right now. Um, so this last call was Monday, Monday night, and it was more open-ended. Okay. And it was, you know, here's some bright spots in the last 30 days. Here's what's coming in the next 30 days. And then here's some things from annual Congress we're still wanting to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then it was a guided conversation and people want to sign up and work on subcommittees. People want to jump into partnerships with one another. There's mentoring happening across different RIs, uh, different um, districts. Yeah. And then my goal is to only have two more of these calls. Okay. Because in reality, this is the brainstorming connection, uh, find out what each other are doing. Yeah. And then we need to shift focus in the season. And every single person on that call, except for maybe two of us, three of us, are still skating. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, so they need to focus on their season, but, you know, we're brainstorming right now on all the obstacles. Well, with, with this whole thing on the women's side, right, like, it's always been a priority. Like I know Matt Leaf was one of the guys for, you know, pushing the women's stuff, which we talked about prior to starting recording. Um, and now with the growth of the women's game, you know, we have a couple of pro leagues, I, you know, whatever's going on there. We have all the division one hockey, the, the girls youth hockey is starting to explode. Um, the need for female officials now is starting obviously going up because you know, you need that representation there too. Cause when the girls go out to work the games and they see girls ref in their games, they're like, Oh, wow. I want to do that too. Um, on the recruiting side of all this, what are some of the ideas that your group has come up with to bring these, to bring new girls and women in? Yeah. Let's throw three figures at you real quick. Uh, USA hockey players, 18% USA mm -hmm. hockey, female officials, 6.4%. And that's been consistent over several years. Okay. 6.4%. That's tiny. Yeah. Coaches, 5.4% are women. Okay. Wow. Okay. So two positions were created. So not just mine, but another one for the coach and chiefs, female development. And her name is Chris. Uh, she's from Maine. Okay. She was on our last whistle break as well. And I got to meet her in person. We have Chris in, and in, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I got to meet her in person at annual Congress, which was beautiful. And there's so many synergies between her ideas and, and what we're doing as well. And every single person on Whistlebreak or even the RICs, and they all have different initiatives for recruiting. So whether we're going after the college hockey player or the female player that's an adult women's hockey or mm -hmm. high school youth players, everybody has a different take right now on who they want to recruit. In USA Hockey and, and probably my focus right now is how do we retain those officials from last year? In a lot of times, our first year officials right now, we have about a thousand female officials that were level ones in the 21, 22 hockey season. Mm -hmm. How do we get those thousand female mm -hmm. officials back for year two when maybe they never got a game last year? Yeah. Maybe they didn't have a mentor or somebody that really helped it be a fun experience that they don't want to come back. So we have a pretty high percentage of people that don't come back for year two. Yep. So and our that's... focus right now is communicating to those first year officials from last year. Let's let's get those in-person seminars. They're creating female first seminars. We have mm -hmm. a lot of districts um, doing female seminars. We're going to do the whistle break communities um, hosting three 
virtual level three and four seminars because that's you know with us being yeah. so virtual that that's the best format but michigan's hosting an in-person seminar next weekend i think the the sixth yep. and then massachusetts just hosted one and they uh shared on whistle break there were about 40 participants really that's awesome that's amazing oh, absolutely so then that's, that's really everybody cool. in the call is talking about hosting this this level one seminar in person level one two three however they want to do it they want to host this seminar and then the next kicker is following up with them to making sure that the content gets completed yep and then yeah. following up with them to make sure that they're getting their first games and how can we work together so it's 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 not necessarily hand holding but it's more touch points than what we've had in the past right i can't imagine i mean that's you know that, that's got to be huge so to have someone that is just there to kind of guide you right to you know you're not released you're not just just oh hey by the way congratulations now you're released you're released into the wild and you know there there is there's such a like a comfort level yeah. like i recognize this right so there's such a comfort level of hey being especially when you're so new to have someone that looks like you Right, that think that that comes from a similar background that you do, right? To be able to say, hey, like your your especially your first your your first few games, your first the process, it's it makes things that much more comfortable, which probably means that much more enjoyable, right? So, and you talk about like you got started with your dad. Well, why was that comfortable? It's because it was your dad, you know. Uh, it was like I when I got started, it was because I was with I was with my friends. You know, uh, and and my one of my friend's older brothers worked my first game, so yeah. I, I think that you know for one, I think that's I think that's really important. That's really, uh, and I'm I'm glad to see it. Right? Like it's really cool, you know, uh, to have a, a women's officiating seminar, right? So because people can also ask like questions that they might not be, you know, you're just not comfortable. Like, hey, how do you deal with locker room scenarios, right? Like that stuff is weird, right? I mean, it's like. Are you comfortable, you know, in a mixed scenario? Maybe, maybe not, but hey, you know, that's, that's one of those, it's just, again, that's, that's yeah. cool. And that's important. Cool. And if you think that people have your back and, you know, that's good. I'm glad we're finally getting there. Cause I think that one add on to like, say you have a seminar and it's mixed and that's totally awesome. Cause guess what? Our games are going to be mixed. Right. Yeah. One suggestion is if you have a, a female instructor at your events, have them do 30 minutes with the female officials separately. Yeah. But the content about, um, are we comfortable and stuff like that's very safe sport. That's, you know, mixed yeah. gender as well as older, younger and protecting yeah. one another. And yeah. there's a lot of mixed feelings about having female only seminars because there is, there's so many amazing people that want to work the women's game, male, yeah. female, you name it. And many women that want to work men's games. So we need to somehow keep that, mixed dynamic support one another mentality well, i i think the the big thing with having the you know the 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 women females only seminars it's just it's a good way it's a good comfort zone to get everyone like maybe some of the younger younger girls starting out like instead of being in a room with like 40 guys and maybe one other girl in there you know it's a positive impression that Oh wait, there's other girls that do this, and I'm in a room with 30 others, and then I have these women at the front of the room that have accomplished these things. Wow, I can do that too. I think that's Iron. where the tool of the all-female seminar comes in because yeah. it's the hook. Yeah. 
It's very because different it, than 29 years ago when I started. Yeah. And, yeah. and especially on the women's side, like yeah. I'm fortunate, I, I met um, like Melissa Orr and we're very fortunate to have uh, OB down here, Kelly Ralstead, a um, couple other young female officials, uh, Jess Herman and, and Sammy Klein and like Jenny Cameron, who I know lives in mass, but your world is so little, right? And so everyone ends up knowing each other. So having that start out with, you know, in a small room with a female seminar, now these young girls and young women that are coming in, you know, they know the people at the, you know, the higher end of it and, and everyone's already connected. So they're not on their own sitting at a seminar, like here in, here in Tampa, let's say like we have a couple of females in and out, um, Laura Acevedo. Um, I'm sure, you know, Laura, yep. um, but uh you know, when there's not that face in the room, sometimes it can definitely be a little intimidating, I would say. I totally agree. Um, so to kind of build on this, I had another yeah. wavelength of, um, we have a little subcommittee that wants to jump off and, and, and start talking about putting the right people at events or, or connecting them to, to camps. So yeah. one thing that shocked Whistlebreak is I would share these, this is what's happened in the last 30 days, and this is what's coming in the next 30 days. And one thing that shocked them are the number of summer camps for female players, districts for female players, mm -hmm. tryouts, and all of these events that are happening across the nation. Well, how many women do we have working those games? And Very there's little. a female first camp in Minnesota, and we've had it for years, but we only had three female officials at our female first camp. you got to be kidding me. And we have 250 female officials in the state of Minnesota, the highest number. So wow. how are we only getting three at that event? Yeah. And if we're only getting three at that event, can now, we pull from other states if other yeah, females just, are interested in going? I was yeah. just going to ask, because like, with, I know with the Southeast District specifically, like they do, um, they're like 16s or 18s, whatever. And then around that, they have an officials, our district select camp for officials. Like if there's all these things for the, for the girls that are playing the, you know, your, uh, what 19, you, uh, I don't know the 14, you, I think, right. Doesn't it go from 14, 15s and 16s in Southeast district would have a tryout so that they can come to the camps and say cloud. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then why aren't we, yeah. Like you're saying there, like now we need to be sending the female officials to work those possibly. Yeah. And your district might do that just as go referee these games and aren't yeah. turning it into a clinic. Yeah, but there yeah. are several states turning them into a clinic. Well, that's what I mean. Into yeah. A camp. Yep. And they need to, um, they need to, we need to start making it into clinics to where, you know, women like yourself can go and teach and, you know, all that. And then recruit at those events because exactly. the number of players that are there, what if we tried it for free and could throw mm -hmm. a fourth skater on the ice? in a tracksuit and said come shadow me or let's have you be the second linesman out here just to see if you like it for a period yeah and that's happening at the college level as well so mm -hmm. just this last weekend in colgate there was a women's camp and there were a number of officials that came in but only two were women and one of our female officiating coordinators from new york mackenzie went to the event said it was awesome it was great to connect with those two women but they really are excited to build on it next year. They know this event's isn't going to happen next year. So how do we recruit for it? And then how do we, you know, put together a seminar or some type of curriculum two days before 
and then they get to work games and get that live feedback mm-hmm. yeah. and then use that as a recruiting tool because they're seniors or juniors, you're yeah. perfect age. You're, you're yeah. over the age of 18 and ready to go. Yeah. Can skate. And yeah. you're already playing the high, you know, pretty much the highest level of hockey. Like that's, and that's where we're getting referees from now. So, you yeah. know, it's a great way to extend your on ice career, obviously. So do you have any, do you have any uh, relationships yet with uh, any of the junior hockey leagues? Right. So, uh, you know, say, say you have, right. Like, and, and, and this, is, this is a little bit of a loaded question, but uh, right. So like I met you when I was working the, the ODP, right. And there are, and I, I don't think, I don't think that at the time, uh, you know, I, I think that hockey has progressed to where, you know, back then, like, you know, we're, would, would a woman be welcome on the ice? Maybe, you know, I want to say yes, but the answer is maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, I was in Rochester yeah. that first year working in the juniors and it was number one versus number two. And I was super excited to work the game. And some gentleman that worked off ice walked in the locker room and said, where's your third? Because <laughs> he didn't know. Yeah. And they're like, what? And I said, yeah. And one of the linesmen or one of the other officials was like, she's roughing too. (laughs) Number one versus number two in the district. And we're like, or in the conference. And yeah. Wow. Okay. That's not a thing anymore, Nat. And yeah, um, I think the Kendall Hanleys of the world are proving and the Katie Gates, they're proving that. Wow. There's some talent. And I worked the WCHA division one men's hockey, right? So I did that my last two years of division one hockey and the coaches were skeptical at first. They didn't Mm -hmm. know how to talk to me and they would kind of complain to my partners a little bit about a call here and there, but then I started. So you're a referee, right? I am. Yep. Okay. Okay. I was like, (laughs) I don't (laughs) Okay. Just to make sure. (laughs) Yep. And I started to earn my stripes by calling those penalties or getting in the middle of things or being able to skate. Yeah. And we have so many women that are capable of that today. And we're seeing that. And so my relationship is not, is not focused on the junior relationship. Instead, that's the Kendall Hanley's of the world in her new role. And, you know, Scott's on the monthly RIC calls and I'm able to connect with him. And Matt is still the primary component of officials development. He still has the initiatives for the women's side right now as I'm onboarding and learning and finding out what do we share with one another? What falls on my plate or my group as I don't think this is a single person job. There's definitely a team effort here. There's a lot as you heard 35, at least 35 women I want working together. Yeah. (laughs) This is a huge initiative, but, um, there are a number of women that we have recommended to go to junior camp again, and yeah. it's going to continue to expand and grow. We're going to have more women, hopefully knocking on those doors of NCAA with beautiful resume and getting those um, schedulers or supervisors to say, let's give it a try. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so what's your goal? All right. So as you move through, like, so as you started now, you say, Hey, we're, we're developing this, you've got your whistle break. We're starting to, to, to get where we are, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be, you know, halfway, three quarters of the way through the season? Like what, you know, what? Oh yeah. So, you know, halfway through the season, 
Yeah. In December, I want to be pulse checking back with Whistlebreak Group and definitely have every single district have an RIC or have a female officiating coordinator. Okay. Um, and if they don't, it's, it's just so much harder to work through things. Um, I'd like that smaller group to work through who's going to nationals, who's going to district tournaments, who are you observing in your district that's ready to go to a regional camp next year or futures camp and, and needs mm -hmm. the application. So by midway through the season, we should have a pulse check on where our female officials are. Have we grown in numbers at all? And are we getting the right development for those female officials to prepare them for an end of season national tournament? Okay. That's that's the midway goal. And then it's figure out, okay, what kind of obstacles are people still facing? So right now we're teasing out how do we stay engaged throughout the season with removing the whistle break instead is it a chat room is it just email communications is it just texting as things happen so we're working through how do we stay connected with obstacles and support one another okay very cool i mean it's good you know so you're very much kind of in the like hey you're, you're feeling things out you're like hey like the biggest thing that you need is you need you need the grassroots support right you need the grassroots yeah. support network built that that usa hockey just kind of has relied yeah, on for, you know, since 1991, really since a house, right. Is the, yeah. you know, like, and oh. I didn't think about that. Cause we've had the Southeast district has been like, like for everyone kind of, you know, says, Oh, well, Southeast district, that's not a big, that's not a, a, a big hockey district, but man, I mean, we've had, you know, for the longest time, like Terry Jeffis and, and, uh, you know, Stacey Livingston was, was doing a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. down there. In fact, she, and, you know, uh, obviously Susan, Who's been yeah, you know, for, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, awesome. there's a lot of stuff down there. So, so, you know, um, well, like, yeah. it feels like everything at the top, like, you know, Chrissy's now running the show, uh, you know, with Matt, and then from there down, like, you're getting the right people in the place at the top end, and then once that all falls into place, then it's attacking the grassroots level and getting all whether it be the local associations or like even going beyond just like your district level like state affiliate level yeah. like because obviously like in minnesota where you are your state is your district correct or new york or massachusetts like some mm -hmm. states are their own district yeah. yep. and then you have other districts like for us in the southeast it's the southeast so mm -hmm. then from there you got to have maybe someone in each state Mm -hmm. um and then someone trying to get someone within the local associations mm -hmm. so like it feels like what you're building towards like right now like you know getting the groundwork and the top end stuff done and then down the road moving forward which i'm sure you probably already have like you know here's where we want you know next year a couple of years out five years whatever definitely like, that... don't want to be spinning our wheels every single year yeah well right? absolutely yeah. right like we definitely don't want to do that yeah. But like laying the groundwork for, you know, the big things to come, because obviously like on the men's side, like all this has been in place for a long time and and whatever. And then the women like your position is definitely long overdue. Um, And now that we you know, you're finally there and you're doing it, it's going to be just nothing but big things and positive things for the female officials out there. I think the biggest obstacle. So beautiful things you've all shared, shared, Ross, but the obstacle is there's people that want everything right now. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. Like it doesn't happen overnight. Everybody, it just doesn't. It doesn't. And it's not a full-time paid job. 
yeah. right? This is volunteer. This is passion. This is love poured into this. And there's so much time in the day when you have every other obstacle coming at you or pulling you in different directions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got to make, you, you know, you got to make a paycheck to, to pay the yeah. mortgage. Right? Like, <laughs> I, I joked. I'm like, can I take a sabbatical from my day job to just get three months of this, like really moving forward? And I got told that was the worst idea I've shared. like i'd like to just keep getting paid but to do this but i mean that's almost like i agree like that's awesome i I, you know i share your passion i think it's one of the things that um well and what's what's really cool now is like we have a lot of people with some resumes like especially on the women's side um obviously starting out in 98 you know with the women's olympic team winning the gold medal and then you know every olympic since on the women's side, you got a lot of women that have some resumes with that are very impressive. They've knocked down a lot of doors. They are pretty much what like your group, Chrissy, has done is blaze the way, pave the trail for the women now that you are going to set up to do what you've done. Mm-hmm. And I know like for the women, it's like it's a very exciting time to be, you know, very early on in your career as a female official. And also you know, it's going to be a very competitive thing now moving forward too, especially with when you build what, when your vision gets accomplished and when you build what you want to build, like, it's just, it, it's definitely going to grow into this big, awesome thing and, um, and set everyone up for success. And we're so fortunate in the United States and a lot oh, of people absolutely. are starting to compare us to other countries going, you know, when, when you go and you represent United States hockey and you're mm-hmm. going to an international tournament, you're looking for off-ice demeanor and how you're mm-hmm. working with others. You're looking for the on-ice skill. And then you're also looking who from this tournament would would really benefit from Futures Camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Select Camp. My Futures Camp had three women from international hockey. That was another yep. beautiful thing. Really? Yeah. This last year, we had one female from... Um, from Europe at each of our um, summer camps. Mm-hmm. And that's a, re- that's a huge reward oh, to get to hear what the other countries are facing and what we have. And it's beautiful what the United States is doing and where we can go is awesome. Yeah. And like, I, I don't, I know nothing about the hockey, de- hockey Canada development side, but I know like I've talked to a few officials around the world and they're just like, man, us, you know, the way you guys do things like the camp system and the support and the, this and the, that, like we tend to lead the way. And when you look at global tournaments, the best referees that always show up are the Americans and the Canadians. Um, a little bias being the, you know, I'll say the Americans <laughs> all day, yeah. uh, but like it, it always is. And like, in, in the position that you guys are in on, on the women's side, um, just being that example for everyone else internationally is, is huge. Yeah. And I'd say some of, some of the women that worked camps here in, in the U S and, and went home and mm-hmm. honed in their game, they were strong competitors at international tournaments. They were phenomenal on the ice, off the ice and really doing the best they could. So there were some, in my experience tournaments mm-hmm. where I had some stiff competition for skating and yeah calling good games and yeah, working sure. hard. Well, that's what makes all of us better, right? Whether you're competing against, um, you know, the person you skate with every night or uh, someone from around the world, like you're going to be pushed to get better. So. Mm-hmm. 
So, Chrissy, where would you push, right? Uh, where would you push, you know, um, maybe there's some, some, you talked about, hey, there's those thousand you know, new uh, female officials every year. Uh, maybe not get a game that maybe haven't, where would you push them to? Like where, where, who, uh, and obviously you can't take a thousand phone calls, right? But, um, you know, but, but what, what kind of like, hey, you're, you, you've taken the step, you want to officiate, what's that, what's that next piece? If like, like, who do they reach out to, right? Who, who is that? Like, if they're looking for, hey, I'm looking, I'm looking for this person, maybe I'm in a town that doesn't, I'm the only one. Who do they yeah. reach out to? You know. So there's there's two ways here. Um, so you're brand new, you want to work games, you need to reach out to the local supervisor. Right. You must reach out to the local supervisor. Get on their radar. They need to know your name. Yeah. And ask for an evaluation, ask for a mentor, whatever that process looks like in your district, because they're different in every single association. Yeah. yeah. And then the second component is USA Hockey's refereeing chiefs have been talking extensively with the national office about mentoring and this upcoming season, we're hoping to see a slight shift in mentoring. So we should be seeing something from the national office here in early, early August, excuse me, Ooh, after I'm the symposium. Excited. So right now the focus is on the symposium, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This weekend. And then they'll oh, shift is that this gears. weekend? It is. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we'll, we'll shift gears and Matt will be initiating um, two things. One is a brand new grassroots uh, position that'll be, uh, working out of the national office. Okay. Um, so there's a new position for our officiating community. Yes. There'll be another person, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is really exciting. And that's boots on the grounds grassroots. So that's going to be posted here, hopefully after the symposium to have a person enroll after labor day. Okay. And then the second thing is a, a, a shift in idea around mentorship. So there'll be a survey that comes out to a certain demographic inquiring about, are you interested in mentoring? And that's the reach outs, the contacts, the following mm -hmm. up for sort of uh, uh, registration completion. Okay. The, are you not getting games? How can we help mentor you? And that might not be officials in your districts and you might get five or 10 names that you can help mentor. We're mm -hmm. so accustomed to on ice mentorship. Right. Yeah. Okay. So this is a shift that USA Hockey is trying to, navigate and, and encourage is this yeah. off ice mentorship to help with that first and second year official. So that's one you're going to look for. You need to reach out a little bit and get into an association because USA hockey's job is to get you the training and the curriculum. Then yeah. you have to do the next step to get into your local association. I wish there was a bridge that just made that automatically for the official. Cause there's a mm -hmm. lot of work and a lot of contacts that need yeah. to be made before you can skate your first cool. game. Mm -hmm. well, but then the, the second is coming down right mm -hmm. well and and to like navigating the whole registration process in itself like myself and um charlie o'connor here like we help out as much as we can in the area um with seminar questions and hey registration steps and this and that so yeah it'd be nice to be able to link up these new level ones and twos or whatever. And like, Hey, here are the people in your state or in your area that can help you walk you through this process. And they can also, you know, hook you up with the local association where you're at. Imagine doing an open, open book zoom session to talk about these 10 questions tonight. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Open that rule book together. Yeah. yeah. You know, all, all of these kids that, um, are becoming newer officials, whether they're 
11, 12, 13, 14, or, you know, young 20s, these younger officials, they've gone through Zoom classes the last two years because of COVID. Yep. You know, they're more comfortable with this process than most of our adults, yeah. our instructors. I am so happy we're back to in-person seminars. Like, oh. I don't know. I, I personally, I mean, I, I, I tell you what, though, the first one we did, um, I, we got done. I went home and I was in bed like 45 minutes later and I texted my buddy. I texted OC the next morning. I was like, dude, I forgot how exhausting they were to do in person, <laughs> but it's so fun. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like you get more out of being there. Ross, I love it for the level one and level two officials. Yeah. I, there's so much to be said about seeing people face to face and making sure that they get it and being able to get close to somebody and just mm -hmm. make a connection. Mm -hmm. But our level three, level fours, and I know we can go off on a tangent on level fours, but <laughs> our, our veteran That's officials it. really need to be, our, our more senior officials, level three, level four, and so on, mm -hmm. they need to be challenged mentally. Yeah. How are we yeah. thinking? How are we growing? How are we implementing these rules? And then mm -hmm. they really need the fundamental, what has changed? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's something I know, like we've been working on here with like our, our flow of the seminar, like the way we do it, how we're trying to keep them engaged when we get to those portions. Um, obviously you brought up level four, which is a whole different beast right now. Um, like I've had several discussions with uh, uh, Ken Reinhardt, who's been on the show in the past. And I think me and you were talking a little bit about it the other day when we were texting a little bit. Um, yeah, that's that's another monster in the room, and and I know the it's a whole other show topic. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, I could talk for I could talk for like two hours about what we should do. <laughs> yeah, well, but, there's a, there's a special spot for level fours, but you know, I I really I I learned from JB mm -hmm. Olson here in Minnesota, who is yep, the primary I've heard that name. He's the primary teacher for our level four seminars, and you come in the room. And is going to a classroom to grow your mind. Yeah. And you're fortunate to get that opportunity. And the way I like to run Zooms is you have somebody kind of manning the chat room and engaging people and just pinging them and getting mm -hmm. great conversations going while JB's leading a lesson. It it can be fun. It yeah. really can be fun. Yeah, I, I definitely think because like, let's be honest, like the level fours that have been doing it a while it's like what am I going to teach you in the classroom like so you know the conversations like that maybe breakout rooms in the zoom and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff like that's all beneficial but yeah the the ones and twos some of the like maybe maybe third year people that are doing three like those are the ones I'm just so happy to have back in the classroom because it's just it's just fun getting to share um we had a guest instructor uh, join us uh two weekends ago in, at our rink in Ellington and uh, it was when he was saying goodbye to everybody, he got emotional because he's like, I'm kind of jealous of all you level ones starting your journey because I've already had mine. Yeah. Um, and it, it's nice to just be able to give back and, and do all that. It, it's it's definitely very rewarding. Tying back to the start of what we shared, you know, Nat. Yep. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine being a 20 something and starting again right now? Man, I, I would. It would be so much better. I mean, it's like there there are people, you know, and that's what I, I like. I got I got lucky where I was, and, and there were some people that reached out, uh, and and the level of support that you got from such a few, like so many people got from such a small core group, 
you know, mm-hmm. whereas now, I mean, the internet has made it amazing, you know, like the, the, the amount of reach, the amount of access that you have to people, mm-hmm. um, to hockey, to, to other officials, to, to resources is so much better. Yep. Um, you know, well, it's, it's a global game. Everyone's connected around yeah. the world at this point. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of research. There's plenty of materials out there, like anything you could ever want to know, any kind of clips, all of that stuff. Like I know for me, if I could go back and do it all over again, um, I, I would say uh, put me in the time machine right now. Like let's, <laughs> let's, let's start all over again. Probably fix a couple of mistakes in it along the way too, though. <laughs> yeah. Ditto. Yeah. Same. Cool. I will say, I think a lot of those bumps in the road are, are, why I'm in the position I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Like, yeah, you learn from what you learn. Right. And all the things that you, all the bumps in the road that you had, you're going to bring to the table in this new position and be like, no, this, this is what happened to me. I'm going to use my personal real experience and we're going to do things differently. Yeah. And I mean, look, look at it just as your it. simple, you know, your simple first, your first international game story. It's a perfect one to be like, let me tell you about a scary situation. Now we're going to make sure you're never there. You know, Correct. Oh, that's Correct. so cool. That's so cool. I mean, I, it's, yeah, it's so cool. Well, because I, I, I got nothing else. I mean, I think you've laid it out really well. I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that uh, come around, I'd say January, February, you can come talk to us again and tell us how things yeah, are going, you absolutely. know, what, what your playoff run is looking like, what nationals are looking like, what your, uh, you know, obviously you don't have to tell us like, oh, I've got the secret. This person's working this, right? But but just as far <laughs> as like, hey, you know, what um you know, because we're we're really interested. Like this is this is really cool. Uh you've got a really great uh opportunity, and I think you're the right you are, you know, uh knowing you, knowing who you are, knowing how awesome, like and welcoming you, you know, ever nobody nobody knows stories, right? Of like I, man, I was living in a Chicago apartment and I was alone by myself on Thanksgiving. You were like, no, you're coming to Thanksgiving, like with my family, you know? And it was like, like, that's the type of person everyone needs to know that's the type of person you are. So when I say like, you are the right person for this job, you, you are, because you are the person who is not going to leave or want to leave anyone behind and make sure that, you know, the, the, that you, you, a, you've got the resume, you've got the credentials and you've got the personality that you are, uh, you are the right person uh, for this job. And I'm really excited to see kind of how things are going and, 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 and how you grow um, and uh, your program. And because and, it is your program, right? That's the cool thing about you being first. It's your program. Whoever has this next, you know, they, they will make your program taste a little bit like theirs, but it's your program. So uh, it's really cool. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of you for, for that. So I hope you come back in, in six months and talk with us about it and, and, and kind of share what you want to do on the off season next year and, and how we can help, right. And how we can get the message out. Yeah. And uh, uh, anything that we can do, whether it be the podcast or the Facebook group, like anything, feel free to yeah. ask. Yeah. Let us know. Well, thank you both. It's, it's so good to see you. It's so yeah. good to meet you, Ross. Yeah. Uh, same for absolutely. sure wish you all the best uh and keep it up right you're doing a great job thank you cool. yep well everyone that has been chrissy langley the uh new uh, woman in charge with uh the women's officiating and uh, development with that we will go back to the main podcast
Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chrissy Langley. It was a pleasure talking to her. She's definitely going to succeed in that new position she's got. She's very passionate about it. She's got the right people around her. Uh, the growth for the women's game, I think, is going to uh, going to continue. And then on the officiating side, it's just they're just going to keep making it better for the women. Um, more opportunities. Absolutely. Right. And it's all about opportunities for everyone, whether male official, female official, either way. Uh, but it's definitely nice uh, seeing someone in a position to help set up uh, women for future success in officiating. Absolutely. I guess so from there, um, if anyone who's listened, if, if you got any comments on the podcast, specifically uh, anything to get to Chrissy, certainly let us know on the Facebook group. Um, and then also what we would like to do is uh, kind of throw it out to everybody. What kind of um, what kind of topics you guys think we should start discussing? Uh, Nat and I were just talking about um, like some abuse official. Obviously, like we can always talk about that. So let's talk about other things, positive yeah. things yeah. like um, skill development, like positioning and, uh, oh man, game, building rapport, game management, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are Obviously, gonna... yeah, Ryan brings up fitness. Yeah. yeah it's, More yeah. like fitting this whole pizza in my mouth, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, um, yeah what do you guys want to hear you know the 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 things that hey we want to get better what do you want to hear about other stories there are certain people that you know we're because we're going to continue to to bring other folks here to let them tell their story uh because we think that those stories are worth being told but what exactly. kind of stories do you guys want to hear and what discussions do you want us to talk what want, want us to talk about and cover uh, absolutely you know we we're all about it um yep yeah. For sure. And then one of these days we're going to do a, uh, a, uh, not tell stories about being a Hornet pilot. Uh, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to start putting some of that, that, that stuff, sliding some of those, uh, little anecdotes and, and everything in. You know? Absolutely. Well, you know, we got it. We got to kind of ride on the coattails of, uh, Pete Mitchell, you know, yes. I mean, oh, man. with how well that movie's done. And, and Top Gun too, <laughs> the highest grossing, uh, I, I think it, I think it released it. It was like the highest grossing movie ever. It beat Titanic. Like, uh, at Paramount. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Four yeah. Paramount pictures. Yeah. It's their yeah. highest grossing all time film now. So that's yes, pretty yeah. cool. So it's like, dude, it, it beat Titanic, which means that there are more people that like to watch dudes on the beach with mustaches. Than like <laughs> to watch Leo and, uh, who's that? Kate Winslet. Yep. So, you know, um, well, yeah. With but. that, I hope everybody's enjoyed this episode. Nat, it's a pleasure as always. And, Absolutely, uh, my friend. We will catch you guys in another couple weeks. Yep. Cheers, everyone.